0: are being disenfranchised from policies that keep us down. We'll also be talking about what we need to do and what it looks like to get into legalization and get into decriminalization. Not just the state that I'm in, which is Nevada, but also across the board. One of the things that I would definitely want to be talking about is, excuse me, how we are creative in policy. In Nevada, I'm able to uh, lobby, and I love what I do, and so I'm able to actually introduce creative policy that will help move the industry forward, especially as it relates to those disenfranchised by the war on drugs. But one of the things I want to be able to do is to have that conversation globally, bring people into the dialogue so that we can discuss as a whole how we can all free the weed, because that's what we're all interested in what it looks like from state to state. I always tell my team, CEIC, that if we're free over here and they're not free over there, none of us are free. So if we figure out a way to free the weed here in Nevada and it's not free in Arizona, and it's not free in California, then we're not free. And so that's what Marijuana Wifey is about. I really consider myself as a caretaker of the industry. And so I'm, I'm in a beautiful location and we'll be filming most times in this location. It's Tappan Ash. It's located in Las Vegas, Nevada, downtown. And I just love the ambiance here. I feel like I'm at home. And so I'm really inviting you into one of my third homes. My first home being my house, second, my office, and Tappan Ash being the third. And so I'm looking forward to having some great conversations, having you into the conversations, and then also bringing my guests and you along to the journey of legalization. And along that line, I want to just kind of talk about some of the things that's going on here in Nevada. We're riding right into leg session, and legislative session is really, uh, it's an important time for us because this is a time where we can be involved in the lawmaking process and in Nevada we have a couple of bills that will be over at CIC that we'll be sponsoring and one of them is a pop-up cannabis vendor bill it's one of the bills that I think is creative policy as it relates to social equity and what will happen is you have to imagine like a liquor vendor and in any uh, special event there's a liquor vendor well imagine going to a special event and having a marijuana vendor being able to distribute safe cannabis and have safe consumption of cannabis. So that's one of the bills that we'll be introducing this legislative session. And then another one is we're really interested in what's going on with the marijuana money that goes to the schools. Everybody is interested in it. I'm interested in it and I'm sure you are. Last year, they received $120 million in Nevada and nobody knows what's going on with that money. And so we're presenting a bill that will ask for an oversight board over the monies that go into the general fund. Um, And so those are two what I consider creative policy towards the legalization and decriminalization and oversight of marijuana. So here in Nevada, we just had a consumption lounge ramp consumption lounges were the first time the social equity was introduced into the conversation. First time the social equity has ever been in Nevada, in legislation in Nevada. And so it was not just history making, but ground making for the state. Now what's going to happen, what has happened is there were 20 licenses total, 10 were made available for social equity. and. Wouldn't you know our org over at CEIC sealed five out of those 10 social equity licenses and seven overall out of the 20. Congratulations, CEIC. And so who I have with me today is one of those social equity licensees. Her name is Rachel. We're going to bring her on in, and she's going to tell you her story from street to legalization. Come on, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much and thank you for having me. Thank you very much. <laughs> I want to make sure that the people can hear you so you're gonna to have to speak up a little bit. Okay. okay? Yes, all right. So Rachel, you're now a provisional licensee. <laughs> How you feel about that? Uh, I'm really excited. I have
1: a little bit of nervousness in there, but I know the, the organization that is leading is going to make sure that everything works out fine. And that <laughs> the God that I serve is yes, also going to make yes. sure everything works out fine. So I, I have no reason to stress. Anymore. Absolutely. And
0: the God I serve, I'm depending on him, too, because <laughs> this is all new for all of us, for yes, all of us. Is. So uh, Rachel is also a graduate of Pathway to Ownership. And to go to Pathway to Ownership, you have to actually be a member of CEIC, which is an org that I found. And then on top of that, we just want to, uh, we send the list to our advisory board and they choose the people that go into the class. And she's a graduate of our Pathway to Ownership program. Yes. Tell the people a little bit about your experience with the program.
1: Oh, I, I really adore the program. CEIC, which is Cannabis Equity Inclusion Community. Um, welcome to me in, and from day one, informed me that whatever it is that I need, any type of work that I need or anything that I don't know, uh, the whole team was more than willing to help me understand, um, even offering time uh, outside of the class to come in and get anything that I didn't understand um, you know, explained to me. And uh, out of all the schools that I went to, I've never had that opportunity for <laughs> someone to say, you don't know it? Come on in. And, and I really appreciate that. I, felt and and still feel uh, so excited about being able to be a part of the cohort. Um, This is pretty much history, you know, and uh, I'm so happy to be a part of it. Every time I think about it, or every time I have the opportunity to talk about it, I do, because uh, this is an organization that is helping people change their lives, And and I heard someone say that even if they didn't have this opportunity, their life was still changed and, and and I feel the same because it gives a different aspect on things that I could have been doing or things that I should have yes. been doing. This organization has took me out of um, wanting to stay isolated, you know, because there was events taking place, and I'm like, I don't want to do. I'm so <laughs> isolated. But you are one of the ones that say you
0: come on out you don't have to be that way you don't have to do that and I appreciate that no I appreciate you you know what I really uh, appreciate about you in the program is we both suffer from anxiety and it's very difficult when you have anxiety you're just kind of afraid of everything it's just like a weird thing people don't really understand how anxiety works but what I like to tell people is if you were living your life as me you would be afraid of things that you think is normal. So for example, I'm afraid to go over bridges and I'm afraid to like when I, I don't even drive, but when I'm riding and they're going over ramps, sometimes I hold my breath because I'm just afraid. My mind thinks that the ramps will fall down. So everyday anxiety just makes you afraid of just everyday things that other people do normally. And so one of the things that I appreciate about you is you got into the of what was going on. So the first telling people a first time. So our cannabis compliance board, the CCB is our governing body over cannabis in the state of Nevada. And Rachel, <laughs> she's just become a full-on activist. And Rachel went down to the cannabis compliance board and told them the things that she did not like about what was going on. With the bill and, reg- and as they were building out regulations, so, sir, first I want you to tell them what gave you the authority <laughs> to be able to do that.
1: Well, I was encouraged to do that uh, by under also uh, things that you were telling me to to keep me encouraged, uh, but I also knew a lot of the things that's that wasn't right, you know, uh, such as. Uh, the opportunity for a maybe senior citizen or someone who is in pain uh, that takes cannabis that uses cannabis and they're down here and they're visiting and they're in the casinos and they're in the hotels and they're spending their money but they don't have the opportunity to use cannabis Mm -hmm. by choice which is a a medicinal plant yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, I just didn't like that because I have I have family that comes down and if, if they wanted to use cannabis they're not able to in the hotels and so it's it's a really sad situation um yet people can go inside of the casino and over intoxicate themselves and leave and then uh you know this is where we catch people now it seems like the uh um, the dui rates are getting back up there Uh, but no one's really speaking on how you can use some type of alcohol or intoxicating drink and then drive away from a casino while the focus is on cannabis when a lot of people use cannabis for medicinal purposes including myself and my mother yeah you know a lot of people aren't aware of the different things a lot of people are afraid of the thc but they don't realize it CBD, which is cannabidiol, is a really great constituent of the cannabis plant that in my life helps with my aches and pains. My mother no longer takes arthritis medication and she also has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And we see an extreme improvement of my mother in Alzheimer's disease who was diagnosed 11 years ago. Wow. Versus my aunt who was diagnosed maybe six or seven years ago and unfortunately has passed off and did not use any parts of the cannabis plant.
0: Wow, that, that's an incredible story. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I... As an advocate of cannabis, there's there's the whole plan, right? And as an activist, I always feel like I'm just talking to myself sometimes. I feel like the further we go, the further back we go. So every time we legalize one thing, uh, the politicians figure out a way to illegal something else and it's it's like i'm chasing my tail some of the times right and i'm like oh yeah we were able to so for example great for example which i'm not going to go over here but uh our org sued the board of pharmacy aclu represented us so the board of pharmacy yeah <laughs> so we won the case
1: That's
0: the board of pharmacy yep. appealed it Yeah. because they and they asked for a stay the irony is, in the state, you know, other things come out, and one of the chiefs actually said that they used, they didn't want it to be taken off of the schedule because the police were using the scheduling to stop people and go through their car and stuff. Uh-huh. So it's like, every, but in Nevada, marijuana is legal. Like you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't legalize it and it be illegal. You can't. And then, <laughs>
1: And, and that's, that's and that's what do. they do,
0: and this is this is the importance of the work, right? The importance of feeling like they aren't listening or hearing us, don't see the results, and then continuing to just pursue making it illegal. And you know, every time they make something illegal, or they talk about what illicit business or what we like to say is unlicensed business looks like. It's always us that they see. Like when they're imaging, when they have an image of a person, it's us that they have the image of, right? It's the black and brown person that they're considering. The real Absolutely. Now listen, I am black and I do smoke weed. So there's that. I'm black and I help people sell weed. So there is that. But also I'm just a regular businesswoman, successful businesswoman that smokes weed. So, you know, people assume that we're not just citizens of America, right? We're not productive citizens of America because we smoke weed. Meanwhile, I have white friends, because they can afford more weed than I can, that smoke whole lots of weed than I do. <laughs> and cocaine, and shrooms, and, you know what I'm saying? We just don't weed. Right. <laughs> Right,
1: Any, but anything to uh, portray an image,
0: Absolutely. you know,
1: I really reflect, I don't want to go that deep, but I really reflect a lot of things uh, back to uh, making people of color feel a certain way so they can feel less important in society. So if they have this one thing, which is the cannabis plant, that is actually, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that has actually been, uh, I believe it's not, if I'm not mistaken, patent, by the United States government Ain't that crazy. THC and CBD has been patented by the United States government but yet uh, they don't want to take it off of schedule one yeah yeah.
0: but they own so when it is scheduled federally it won't li- listen to me it won't be in the next four years for sure but when they do it then the state will the nation will already own that right so tell us um, you're a new licensee yes Provisional. You, provisional licensee <laughs> so they had a lottery uh, first tell us what makes you a social equity okay well
1: I, I don't want to start with the bad
0: stuff uh, do you want to do you mind telling I don't story? I don't mind at all um, I think it's important here's why I think it's important I tell my, I tell Sue this also, Chandler is, so we're live, and I have my team here watching us live. And uh, I always tell Chandler to tell his story. I always, because people, he's a very well-spoken and smart gentleman, and they just assume that he's just here, but he's an impacted gentleman. And I think it's important for people to tell their story because you don't know how to get to the other side if you don't know where you were, right? And we don't wanna be bound by where we were because that was a timeline. We right. wanna celebrate where we are, but we don't also don't want to perpetrate like we weren't there at one time. That's one of the things that I try to make sure that I do. I call it myself being radically authentic, but one of the things I'm clear on telling people is the things that I don't know, where I came from, and that's the reason why they can do it, too. And I think that that's important, right? Right. I was, I was this way, and I did this, but I'm here now, and if I can do it, you can do it. Right. So, if you don't want to tell your story, but if you do, tell a little bit about your story. Right,
1: and I don't mind telling the story, and uh, the reason why I don't mind is because I don't live there. I don't live in that past. Um, But uh, the only reason why the story ended up being told in the first place is because I had to uh, show proof of why, you know, I was affected by the war on drugs and why I qualify as a social equity applicant. Um, And so I'll start uh, two weeks prior to my arrest. So in 1994, two weeks prior to my arrest in April, I uh, had not too long ago came back from being a runaway. I was not happy with life. Um, things seemed as if it was against me when it wasn't. My mother was doing the best she can. So when I came back, uh, I was I was encouraged
0: to go to school and finish school. So I went to school, um, and then- Excuse me, I- sis. We're live, so I gotta help my gentleman out. Okay. At the top of that, there's a, a port. You can take it off and plug that up to it, and it'll charge. On the top of that tower. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Okay, and so, um, and uh, sorry, I'm all behind the scenes. <laughs> so, in 1994, I was arrested, um, uh, and this was two weeks after I had enrolled in uh, high school to finish high school. I was not able to finish high school in a regular time because I had a daughter early, so I ended up going back for high school. Two weeks later, uh, while hanging out with a friend downtown, uh, four officers, Uh, las vegas metropolitan police department officers they uh, arrested us and said we were drug traffickers and the thing about it if i was a drug trafficker that's one thing but i never ever sold drugs in my life my mother wasn't playing that she took her four kids she put them all through school everyone graduated by herself and my brother not too long ago just received his a doctor's degree he's actually an executive principal of two high schools so we wasn't living a lifestyle of drug and as a matter of fact we didn't need any money like that my mom worked uh and retired after 25 years or 27 years at the at the time flamingo hilton so um that arrest um really did a number and i didn't know how bad it was of a number on me until I started applying for jobs and shortly yes. after losing those jobs. Yeah. So one of the first jobs that I applied to, um, it was like a, a seasonal job, so it was Toys R Us. Right. And so after, uh, as a matter of fact, the fire date on Toys R Us was 1-2. So January 2nd, so it's almost like we're going to keep her even though this record says this, but soon as the first rolls around, we're letting her go. And so I didn't really think anything of it because it was seasonal and then until I started applying for other jobs. So the next job was Circus Circus, it only took them three days to fire me. After Circus Circus, probably a few months later, was Slots of Fun,
0: three or four days. Slots of Fun and Circus Circus are like the lowest of the places in the, you know, (laughs) it's a job, but like as casinos are related, in Nevada, it's like one of the lower casinos so we're talking about places where we know that they needed the help and the people there are probably the same worst criminals that she was trying to work there for so right
1: especially so, you know, slots of fun even on
0: the times though at one time uh, we weren't able to work
1: on the strip at all yes right Facts. right we weren't able, and as a matter of fact any performers that was performing on the strip after they left the strip not only did they have to leave out and come in through the back door, they had to leave the strip and go to the west side. Yeah. And one of the hotels then at that time was the uh, Moulin Rouge and that's where they would go to and fraternize with people and then people like Frank Sinatra and all of them would come down over there. But anyhow, uh, in my case, uh, I lost about four jobs. One was lots of fun, Circus, Circus, Harris. I said, I'm getting out of this town. This town is racist. I asked my mother to watch my kids and I went to California. I went all the way to California and took a 12-month radiology course. I wanted to get into the medical field, and I finished the course. And while I was in class taking the, uh, the final exam, my counselor and they were setting up the opportunity to take the state, the California State Board exam for a radiologist. They came and got me out of the class and told me that they're sorry, they know I've finished, but they cannot let me go any further
0: because they're saying that I'm a drug trafficker out of Nevada. You hear this? This is nonsense. Do you hear this? So this young lady, this is how marijuana laws destroy people's lives. This is the importance of the work. So when we, we talk to people, You know, the city, the world, thinks because marijuana is decriminalized in places or that there are people who, excuse me, are no longer going to jail, that people aren't still affected. It's this, it's almost the same idea of like slavery was 400 years ago, right? So they have this concept of time that's unrealistic. This young lady's life was flipped upside down to the point where she couldn't get a job and couldn't Further her education, and this is just one person that you see sitting next to me right now. Imagine how many people's lives are affected this way. Right. Generations of lifetimes of people's lives. Go ahead. Right, and,
1: and that is so true because my actions then became just whatever. Because um, you
0: felt defeated. I,
1: I could not win for anything, and it took me a long time. I even went to Cal after the. After leaving and not being able to finish school, I even got a job for AutoZone. It took them three months to find out, and they fired me. This is just crazy. And the only reason why I was able to, and this was after a whole bunch of nonsense that would do. After that, I checked out of life. I didn't care, I began to drink. I began to get into an addiction. Uh, I didn't care about, I didn't even care about my kids. My kids was affected because my actions was I don't care about anything. I got to a mindset of trying to prove that I was worthy or prove that I was worth something. So I got into people pleasing. I spent a lot of my time people pleasing and trying to prove that, hey, I'm worth something. I'm worth something. The only opportunity that I had to get some type of income was uh, me deciding to be a truck driver because I thought, hey, they can't tell me that I can't pass this DMV test. Yes. So that's how I ended up being a truck driver. But at that time, after, while being a truck driver, I was still in my addiction. I was uh, working maybe about 13 hours a day and in my addiction maybe about 10 to 12 hours a day. Wow. And that's all I did for 25 years, complete isolation, complete, complete isolation. And um, you know, my recovery just started when I looked for recovery in 2017, but my clean time is not so long as that time, but I'm so thankful to God that I am clean because that gave me the oh, wow. opportunity to start looking into what cannabis could do for my, our family because the Alzheimer's unfortunately is hereditary in my family but uh, a lot of stuff took place because of that one line that somebody decided to tell. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and the people that are in there now, oh, the, the people that are in there now, they're not the same people who did those things to me then. Don't, don't get them. <laughs> I,
0: have, I, have, I have family members in there. <laughs> I just appreciate the forgiveness. <laughs> Y'all you pray have for to. me cause I ain't there yet. You have to, I, I have to, I, because if
1: I don't that'll hold me back. I can't, I can't go into the world. Like they did this and they did that and that. my mind is not what it used to be. Old me, what I want to go blow the motherfucker up. I'm being honest. But because of recovery, my recovery went beyond them teaching me how to not be in my addiction. My recovery, my recovery worked on. My uh, characters, who I am as a person. I came from the hood. I came from the
0: projects that there's a Park. I My words listen. I come, come from me. the hood. My <laughs> word, my words used to be like, I'll whoop your ass, and I don't. <laughs> listen. I, I, I come from art. the hood. <laughs> I got hair on my chin. I come from the hood, and I stand for the hood. And that's the reason why I have a sorted relationship with the police. It's not the things that I used to say. It's not the things that they've done to me, but. My son just had a situation. So now it is the things that they've done to me, right? But I just believe that. Let me stay on subject. As it relates <laughs> to cannabis, there's a culture that the police have invested in and continue to invest in that the state is not invested in. And that's the problem that I have. I looked up at Soopi. Soup, He'd be worried that I'm always gonna say this wrong thing. <laughs> I can almost feel him holding his breath.
1: <laughs> a lot of them
0: smoke too. We all, yes, all right. Well, yeah. You, you, so on another podcast, on the next time I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can't find a cop to come on here and talk because they had, they had, they filed a lawsuit so that now they can smoke off uh, when they're not on duty. So I really want to talk about that. But, that's awesome. What I do want to say is congratulations on your recovery. Thank you. That's huge. And then also, thank you for sharing your story. And I'm sorry that you had to endure all those years. You know what I find fascinating is, I always find this fascinating. I find people's resilience fascinating, right? Because on more than one occasion while you were telling your story, you said, I wanted to give up. I wanted to give up. Meanwhile, this is the thing about life your victory could just be the next time you wake up like if you could just stay the course and this young lady who i'm fond of she just stayed the course so i tell people this all the time i got into this work because of my uncle my uncle is an impacted person and he's my favorite uncle i'm not supposed to say that but he is my favorite (laughs) uncle and uh I spent most of my childhood visiting my uncle in prison and he could have and should have for all intents purposes been a football uh, star right but his career was taken early from having a butt of weed in his car now what my uncle will tell you is what he has shared with me on multiple occasions is that because i used to say i want to be just like my uncle mark right and my uncle would say, you don't want to be like your uncle. And he will tell you that he was doing a whole lot of other things during that time. And he was an athlete and athletes have their lifestyle. And that even though I've held up in my heart that my uncle's life was derailed, my cousin's lives were derailed because my uncle's lives were derailed um, because of a butt of weed in the police, a butt of, of a joint in the police ending his career because of that my uncle will tell you that he was doing a whole lot of other things and he just was really on the wrong path I beg to differ and I'm gonna always beg to differ with him I don't think he was doing anything that no other athlete was doing in San Bernardino during that time San Bernardino during the 80s there it was a timeline of a lot of things that were happening he just happened to be the one they wanted to get rid of for a lot of reasons. It wasn't just because he was an athlete. It's because my family was a family of influence, and my uncle, you know, was doing the things that he was doing to also act, be an activist and advocate. And you know, that's the period of, and that's still what they do to get rid of your family. They just they go after your family to get, you know what I'm saying? And my uncle was the uh, the butt of that. But now, today, you, so that is what made you a social equity advocate. Right. Uh, you know, and you mentioned
1: it around that time frame of the 80s, but that's the same, around the same time frame when the IND program was taking place in Mississippi, I believe it's Mississippi. Well, the IND program was a program that the United States government had set up for pa- people when they were looking for something yep. to uh, help them with the. Symptoms of AIDS. As a matter of fact, they have a, a synthetic drug with cannabis in it called Marinol. Yes. So uh, during those times, meanwhile, while they were arresting people, there the was. United States government was shipping out cannabis in a can to people uh, and using it uh, uh, as a way to see if they're getting relief from the symptoms of AIDS. And they actually shut that program down because they had so many people coming in trying to see if they can get in the same program and so they decided to shut the program down they saw the miracles of what this drug was doing and decided to uh make a drug similar to what they what what the cannabis plant could do but there's no man on this face of the earth that can create something that god has created
0: (laughs) everything else is gonna be fake (laughs) what she said (laughs) so (laughs) The work that I do really has to do with you. You're you're the inspiration of the work that I do, and I say that often. And so, when we thought about the social equity program, and I also sit on the Cannabis Advisory Commission, and I chair the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee uh, in the state of Nevada, and as the committee was thinking about hearing arguments of what we thought social equity should do and how that a regulation should cover the people you were the person that we were considering we were considering the person that truly was disenfranchised whose life has been derailed and we wanted them to have a shot right now here we are so hard to believe here we are and she got a shot so she was one of the lottery winners i was so elated that rachel was chosen i didn't i could i cried i did cry <laughs> but more so because this is the work that we do. Like this is the importance. She is the epitome and almost the poster child of the work that we do. And so to have someone's life change in like a click of a button is just so awesome. So the people want to know, I know they're like, now what, right? so now you are a provisional licensee right how does that feel
1: if it's it's exciting i'm so open to learn more um i i i want to learn everything that i can learn about the business of it um anything that i can add or you know to uh, help someone else because i want to be able to pay it forward i really believe Uh, And you're not able to receive blessings. If you're constantly taking blessings and blessings and you're not giving anything else, at at some point God's going to stop those blessings because he can't fit anymore. Now you're being selfish. So I can't wait to be able to financially be able to help and give out the same type of gift that you gave me. You gave me a gift. Of, of not being isolated anymore, yes, you yes, gave me a gift of being able to know that, hey, even though you're scared, even though you don't know what's going on, you still do that. You only not only gave me that, so the funds that I would be able to receive, hopefully, I can also help my children because not only my life was changed because of my actions both of my kids life was changed being that even my daughter ended up and she doesn't mind sharing this my daughter ended up in prison for three years and she's already she's still going through mental health my son is in denial in my opinion and he doesn't want any parts of anything and it's sometimes hard to have a relationship with my kids because i was not able to be the person that i wanted to be because of that line right. so I was completely in a shell. so you don't know how your organization has not only gave me an opportunity to be able to be okay financially, but you really took the opportunity to help change my life right along with I got so many people that's my recovery uh, sisters and brothers from all over the world. I mean Europe Canada they're excited about this lot. And I can't wait to be able to bring them aboard a, a to be able to be in, a, in the midst of yes. hanging out and yes. chilling.
0: You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. First of all, thank you, right. Second of all, I don't. She is a success story, but I don't do what I do for accolades. I do what I do because this is this is my passion work, right? I, I love my people, and and when I say that, I mean black and brown those are my people and uh, we all have something that we're supposed to do I encourage you to find the thing that you would do if no one would pay you and the money wouldn't matter right. and I encourage you to do that and I encourage everybody around me to do that um, so now you're a provisional licensee owner yes. and you're working on opening your door yes getting your investment, investor, right. and,
1: uh, And you just had that investor thing last night. We didn't. had an
0: investor event last night. They were all impressed yes. with Rachel. They all want to do business with Rachel, which, which is so exciting for me. Cause I'm like, Lord, <laughs> send me the money. Cause they, you know, this is the other part of the work. As a matter of fact, I was so frustrated last night. I was cussing people out on Twitter. <laughs> cussing them out. <laughs> I was so frustrated, but, um,
1: got a chance to eat uh, octopus for the first time. Oh, yeah, did you like it? It was good. I yeah. liked it. I didn't think I would, but. It was super,
0: last night was super fancy. <laughs> yes, it Thank was. Thank you, like Scott it. Rutledge and Chris Laporte and Thrive Marketplace. Yes. You know, these gentlemen have really stepped up to be really great allies. Oh, I can call them, and sometimes they call me when I'm not calling them. And I appreciate that because the work becomes, it gets overwhelming. <clears throat> and, and, you know, have a great team, Asia, Ashley, Chandler, Ron, and now we got Jordan. Woo. And the whole city of Las Vegas and the state of Nevada, politicians galore. People really want to see you succeed. they they people are committed to your success and committed to the whole team's success. Nevada wants a good program. I know that they're committed to having a good social equity program. You know, it's funny because I've been doing lectures lately that's not the funny part that is kind of the funny part <laughs> but one of the things that i find that i keep talking about is how creative nevada has been with introducing a social equity program uh and i need to say a different introducing social equity policy because we don't have a program program means money we ain't got that uh, i do have a program that's funded by the county But there ain't no money to that either. It's just money to fund the actual program, not the licensees. So if you're interested, here's a plug. If you're watching and you're interested in being an investor for Consumption Lounge here in Las Vegas, Nevada, I have seven licensees that are looking for partners. They're looking for investors. They're looking for angel investors. This is a great time to be a part of something more important than just the license historical yes and life-changing like you said right rachel thank you for being my guest thank you for having me it's such a pleasure at any time thank you we're gonna bring her back because she has a team so we're gonna bring them back and you know as she once she gets an investor we'll bring her back and we'll talk about what the dynamics of having to get her application together having to um excuse me get ready to open what the uh, compliance component of that looks like. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have. But today I wanted to just talk about and let you listen to the story of someone who is going from the streets or what we call unlicensed to regulated and licensed marketplace. What that person's life is really like who that person looks like, and why it's important for you to get involved and to get invested in other organizations that are doing this work. You know, I always like to tell people, if you don't have an organizing home, feel free to join us over at CEIC. You can do that at CEICNV.org. That's Cannabis Equity and Inclusion Community, NV.org. We invite you to do that. Um, Become a member that helps, but also, donate to the cause those dollars is this is the work that we're doing with that so if you feel inclined and you believe in what we're doing don'ate because we could use your donations I want to as I'm closing because I'm wrapping it up here you can hear that I'm struggling to just even have a voice <laughs> but uh, I'd like to invite you to send emails if you are interested in a subject for the show it's uh Aisha a e s h a at BlackjoyClub.com Yep that's right Aisha at blackjoyclub.com and then also feel free to subscribe 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 share this podcast with your friends and Be ready for first Thursday, second Thursday, second Thursday, second Thursday of every month. We'll be live here at Tappanage Cigar Club with some of my great friends, having great conversations about how we get from unlegal to legal marketplace. I'll see you next week. My man gotta get to the stop the call, stop the line but I look, not next week, I'll see you next month.